Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, my name is Stuart Miles and welcome to the Pocket Podcast. This week, Facebook saw the launch of a new feature called Shops that allows businesses to set up stores on Facebook, Instagram, and eventually Messenger and WhatsApp. And Pocket editor Chris Hall is here to tell us how it will work and what it means for you. Meanwhile, I talked to Tim Doubleday, the entertainment product manager at a company called Vicon, about how the world of motion capture is changing the way we enjoy movies and games at home and beyond. And Pocketlint Reviews editor Mike Lowe joins us to tell us what he thinks of the new Samsung Galaxy Book S laptop. Does it do the job? Stay tuned to find out more. But first, Chris is here to talk shopping. So tell us more. Well, Facebook shops is an interesting move. It's We should probably say it was a predictable move from Facebook, but really it looks like Facebook trying to expand revenue streams and find ways to make more money across all of its platforms. And the thing that's most interesting here to me about this is that it's not just Facebook, it's across WhatsApp and it's across Instagram as well. And in, in the past, you've often seen lots and lots of adverts and Facebook is widely associated with adverts and there's adverts that have rolled out into Instagram. There's always been talk about adverts appearing on WhatsApp as well. But what Facebook shops really wants to do is provide a direct buying route through all of these different services that are interlinked so that you can, instead of clicking on an ad and going through to another site, which apparently will happen on some occasions, you should be able to buy directly from a shop using the power of Facebook shops. All of the cynics will say, surely this is a just a method of Facebook taking control of all of the tra- transactions that are going on. And that may be the case. Some of the details are still a little bit obscure here. But Facebook is really saying that it wants to give power to some of these smaller retailers and smaller businesses, mm. much in the way that sort of Amazon Marketplace did back in the day before that all sort of got squashed together. And eBay has had the same sort of thing of wanting to give a buying opportunity or selling opportunity to smaller businesses who don't have a huge online presence of their own. Yeah, I think I think you're right there. I think there's a sense of, you know, if you use Instagram, you scroll through and there's always ads for things to buy and they're always weird and wonderful and random things. And yet you have to press and then go through to another page and then you have to go through someone else's buying process and all the other stuff. And if you can reduce all of that, uh, all of that sort of friction... Uh, that shopping pipeline, as they call it, yeah. down to as minimal clicks as possible, then, yeah, I suspect you'll sell more. And I, I can't see so far the details of it from a retailer's point of view, but I'm sure Facebook will be happy to take a cut of the final payment as it, as it rolls through the system. Yeah, I mean, there is the... Um... There's some really interesting stuff coming in here. And one of the things that kind of rings alarm bells for me is this notion of discovery. Because people are always talk about discovery, it's discovery of content. A lot of the time it's discovery of music, discoveries of movies and things. But but this is now talking about Instagram giving you a way to discover the things that you might like to buy, which 
It sounds exactly like the advertising models that we've already seen in the past. You go and read about tents on a website and then you go to Instagram and you suddenly see adverts for tents because, you know, your advertising profile is moving around with you. And so that sort of suggestion to me says that you're going to look at something on Instagram and then be able to find more of that stuff being offered for you to buy, whether that's whether that's going to try and change from appearing as an ad into something that's just like, oh, here's a profile. Oh, by the way, you can also buy this stuff. But there are some tools that Facebook is talking about that could be quite useful for things like Instagram sellers. Often when uh, an Instagram or an influencer on, on social platforms are trying to showcase something, they're often having a saying that there's an ad and putting a link through in their profile page or something like that so that you would have to go off site to buy it. But what they're talking about here is brands being able to have stuff that's pre-tagged. So somebody can go onto Instagram Live, for example, and then have all of the products all pre-tagged ready to buy as those things are being shown off. Um, it, it sounds interesting. I mean, it could work for big brands in a way, and you can, you can kind of envisage a future where someone big, like a big sportswear manufacturer, could do a complete social unveiling on something like Instagram. And, and attract all of those people and have the mechanism to actually sell all of that stuff without having to go over to a website to click through and make a payment that way. Yeah. And I suppose from Facebook's perspective, it's, you know, it's a more data now tells you people now you're telling they'll get an idea of what people are actually buying in addition to what they're being advertised on, which will then hope, you know, which will hone their skills further. It's also worth noting, I think, that aside from shops, I think it's quite interesting is that they bought Giphy this week, um, which it's again all about you know there's trackers within there to tell you what gifts you're using and therefore what sentiment you were enjoying while the time you know when you did that happy emoji face or you know the the man falling off or whatever or homer simpson falling back into a hedge all those kind of things so it's it's it does feel this is yet another i suppose on the cynical side this is yet another way of facebook getting more data about us yeah it does i mean facebook has been expanding and buying some of these really big brands and people have often been wondering how they're going to make money from things like whatsapp um, aside from saying well we could just make a business service where you can plug in all of this stuff there is some talk around there that this is a response to uh, the current health situation and lots of small stores having been shut down and maybe that's has accelerated this but it's difficult to believe that Facebook wouldn't have had a plan all along to try and make it easier for people to spend money on their platforms. Now, I can see it easily fitting in with Facebook. I can easily see it fitting in with um, Instagram. But how on earth are they going to make this work on WhatsApp? Well, there is a few little things that they say um, through the details that they've released so far, which essentially says that just like when you go shopping in a store, if you need some assistance, you'll be able to jump over into a WhatsApp conversation with somebody. So this may uh, this may aid the small retailer really well, because if somebody's running something out of a shop that they currently can't open or if they run it from home or something like that, somebody can come along with a question and that turns straight into a WhatsApp conversation. Then you get to talk to a real human being. You don't have that barrier of a website just giving you stock answers in an FAQ section or something like that. And so do you think this is going to catch on? I actually have a sneaking suspicion that this is going to be absolutely huge. I think that people will start to see this rolling out and 
Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook have always wanted Facebook to be the first page that you go to on the internet and you never really leave. And it kind of feels like this is still driving towards that goal of making sure that Facebook and the Facebook brands are all dominant and all capable. So I think it's going to go everywhere. Still to come, Mike gives us his verdict on the Samsung Galaxy Book S laptop. It doesn't try and be in a, in a bigger space. But at the same time, with this Samsung, I don't know if I find it a problem because ultimately there are Chromebooks that are coming out that are kind of fancier and selling themselves at more and more money. And it kind of ultimately depends on what you really need to do. Vicon is probably a name you've never heard of. And to be frank, until recently, I hadn't heard of it either. But you've certainly seen its work if you play games or watch movies. A world leader in motion capture systems, the company's worked on a number of films and games from The Witcher to FIFA to Star Wars and many others. Tim Doubleday is the company's entertainment product manager, responsible for defining the company's entertainment products, bringing even more nuanced life to what it offers. That includes a new technology that, for the first time, will allow characters in-game to perform complex hand motions, including sign language and other gestures. But how does the technology work? What's so special about the new technology and what's in store for the future? I started by asking him to describe what motion capture is and how Vicon fits in to the bigger picture. Yes, Vicon have been in the industry for over 35 years, but it started off as a medical um, industry. So the idea is motion capture, you can track anything. So we use cameras to position around a space and then we put markers on um, subjects or people and we can then track their movements. So like you say, Andy Serkis is a famous one from Lord of the Rings, but it has a lot of other applications. So like I say, you can run it in hospitals if you want to see how um, uh, children with cerebral palsy, how how they can walk and kind of measure their gait. That's one application. You can put them on Mm. drones and track drones. Um, But for me, my specialism is in uh, video games and feature films. And so just to give people some sort of imagination if they're trying to think okay i've heard of i've heard of motion capture now and you know the lord of the Rings stuff what kind of video games have you worked on that that we would have seen your work uh so seen the team's work yeah motion, motion captures use anything where you're trying to bring a believable character to life so um for me it's working on um, things like final fantasy games um, mainly the final fantasy uh, movie and based around final fantasy 15 um, through to things like Halo, so uh, working on Halo Master Chief Collection, any any game where you're looking for realistic motion. Um, more recently, uh, titles like Assassin's Creed, obviously, um, you've got your big hitters like your Call of Duties, FIFA Soccer is probably known to a lot of people. All those games, because there's so much human-looking animation in them, they really need to, to utilise motion capture. And I was going to say, how important is motion capture in, in games development today? I mean, it used to be presumably just all animated. And why can't you just continue to animate? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and lots of games still are animation based. And lots of animators will take motion capture data and then they'll kind of add their own animation um, kind of polish onto the performance. But it, but it's really about the the complexity of these games and the as, as the level's gone up in terms of the fidelity, the requirement for motion capture has become even more important. And how much do you capture in that sense of, is it just the general figure of someone or does it does it go on beyond that now? 
yeah, it's, it's a really good question. So currently there's kind of, you, you split the uh, animation pipeline into two parts. You'll have the in-game animation or the locomotion. You know, that's when you press, press forwards on your joystick. What does the character do? Does the footballer run forwards or, you know, and how that looks through to the cutscenes or full performance where let's say, uh, to use the free for example, as all the players walk onto the pitch uh, with the referee and all the crowd and everything, all, all those different elements will be motion captured and, and they'll be done as a cutscene. So generally you'll have, I don't know, maybe four to eight actors all together in the same space. Right. And what, what that gives you is the ability for them to interact with each other. Uh, they can look at each other, they can shake hands. And it just brings the whole thing kind of up to a level of believability. And so then, and that's so you could you you're looking now at, at, at so not only just looking at the way they walk, but also the way they I presume smile and shake hands and and all those kind of things as well. Yeah, exactly. So I think the big thing for us this year is adding the ability to capture fingers or track fingers. Okay. So you know when when they shake hands, you want to make sure the hands look correct. If they point to each other, all these kind of more of the subtle nuance. Um, in the performance. The same with facial capture. So we recently did a piece using an iPhone um, for facial capture, and that can that can track anybody's face in real time and kind of apply it onto the digital character. So as, as the kind of technology is becoming wider spread, I think the barrier for entry is dropping and, and it's becoming more accessible, whether you're a big studio like EA or Ubisoft, small down to smaller studios, um, you know, with a smaller team, but then they can still make use of this cutting edge technology. And what's the challenge then to, to why have you only able just to be able to do fingers now? I know that's probably a very disregarding question, <laughs> but it's that, that you know, what, what's great. taken, what's taken it so, what's taken so long to get to that point? Because if it's about putting little balls, you know, gray balls on, on people's faces and on shoulders and things like that. Could you? Is it just a case of putting them on the fingers, or is it more to it than that? No, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it's exactly <laughs> that. But it's, I guess, it's the same with the face. If you put, put in these markers on or the balls, as, as you say, um, they have to be smaller to fit on the fingers. Otherwise, it's like it would just be a big clump of of markers. So we use nine millimeter markers on the fingers compared to more like fourteen, let's say, on the body. But the the problem in the past has been. If somebody stands in front of a camera, we don't know where that marker is, right? So what we've done is we've kind of um, taken a lot of sample data. So we've we've had lots of people come into our system and we've recorded their finger motion. And then what we can do is kind of infer that motion. So when the camera can't see the marker, it can fill in the gaps and kind of actually give you a believable looking um, result to the to the finger animation. And so that's, and I presume you can take that technology and add it to toes as well, can you? Or? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we hadn't thought of toes actually, but the the one we're looking at next is the spine. So the spine is obviously very complex in how it bends and compresses and curves and whatnot. Uh, for us, we have um, six markers, let's say, on the upper body, and, and we use that to try and create a believable looking spine. But the idea is to take the same idea with the fingers kind of throw a load of markers onto a whole set of subjects and work out a really detailed model of how the spine moves. And then what we can do is, is remove those extra markers and still maintain a believable looking spine underneath, if that makes sense. And so the idea with with adding finger 
tracking is is what would you use that for apart from more believable handshakes yeah so it, it's exactly that so we have this term digital human um we worked on a project with epic games last year called siren and it's about basically you know you do a full body scan so you scan the facial uh, performance of your actress or actor and then you also scan the body and you're trying to create like a digital double or a um a one-to-one so it's like a, a photo real version of this character and then with the fingers obviously we're doing the same thing so you, you scan the hand and then you fit a skeleton underneath but then when the hand moves or when the face moves everything's got to look believable otherwise you kind of fall back on this uncanny valley idea um, and it, it's about kind of being able to track and create this believable looking human digital human is a, is a really fun and interesting challenge and does that have ramifications for the actors themselves? You know, is this, do you see this will be a, a, the birth of, of digital actors that never existed in the first place and perhaps the death of, of big name actors because you can effectively motion capture someone in the first place? Well, I think it's a bit of both. I think there's, it gives the opportunity for maybe more traditional motion capture actors to um, become a bit more prestige you know work on more prestige projects but on the flip side you'll get your big hollywood a-list actors will then also be scanned and um, kind of put into the game so i was working on um, a project called star system which is this game that's been in development for what feels like forever and it, it kind of has but that's because the technology that chris roberts and his team uh, that you know they're really pushing this high fidelity so um we had so many different actors. We had Gillian Anderson come in and she, she was scanned and kind of her digital creation is, is going to be in the game. Uh, Mark Hamill, he's in the game. Mark Strong. I mean, the, the, the list of actors in this project is is just vast. Right. But when you actually see the results, it's them. You know, it, it's, it, it, it looks like them, like they've literally been transposed from, from Star Wars into this uh, video game. And it's, it's just unbelievable. Now, one of the things we saw this week um, or recently is the Unreal announcements with with their new lighting and and their new you know the, the ability to build scenery and stuff. Does that does that play into into the realism? Does that help you at all, or is it is that a very different sort of? Oh no, it's, it's yeah, it's right in our um, right in our own in our wheelhouse. And it's, I I just looked at that demo and thought, please give that to me now. You know, <laughs> it just looks so incredible. Um, and how and how much will have had that will that have an impact on on the way that you do things? So it's it just pushes the bar up. So I think if you you know take that demo for example, the the backgrounds and the environments look incredible, and it's then about if you place a human character within that scene, they they have to look as believable and as incredible if you like. Um, so yeah, it's about raising that bar, and and for that for us, it's about well, what's the next level? Is it adding? Um, like I say, like facial animation or this kind of high resolution fingers to the point where everything just looks, looks even more believable. And you, how much has it changed over the methods that you use to capture, you know, to capture motion? How much has that changed over the years? So, you know, I presume going back to sort of the original Tomb Raider, no motion capture was, was in that game at all. Probably it was probably all animation. Yeah, and 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 how far you feel we've come, and then probably the the, the follow up question to that is is how far on that journey do you think we are? In the, you know, is is have we got to the peak, or is there still a long way to go? 
Yeah, I think Tomb Raider is a great example because the Unreal announcement um, is basically, you know, they they're using on um, so they're using Tomb Raider as an example. You know, it's a female character walking mm. through this kind of incredibly detailed, but essentially that's what they're saying. This is like the next level for Tomb Raider. And you're right, it would have been completely um, keyframed originally, I think, or maybe they'd use reference footage um, of, you know, people walking or people swinging, a bit like they did on the original uh, Prince of Persia. But the when it kind of jumps to motion capture, the actual fundamental way that we're working hasn't really changed that much, if I'm being honest. You know, you still place cameras around your volume. They're still shining light down and, and we're still tracking the markers in the same way. It's really about what's going on under the hood, if you like, or in the software level. So in the past, you'd kind of have to record the data and then throw it at a supercomputer to reconstruct it and to kind of fit the data to it. Now everything could be done in real time. So as soon as your actor walks out on set, like your Lara Croft uh, actress, what you can do is you can you can see her not only as her physical self, but also as her Lara Croft character or avatar within that right. game engine. So taking the Unreal demo as an example, you could load that environment in real time and have your character walk around and just see them as it is in the studio or in the volume. Wow. And that stuff's really cool. And in terms of the journey so far, do you think uh, how much further on do you think it will go? Yeah, I, th I think the, where we're kind of going is, like I said, this uncanny valley, which is you know, it's, it's a funny term because really you can't, the whole, the whole idea is until it becomes to the point where it tricks your brain, you're always going to fight against that. There's always going to be something, whether it's the lighting or the um, facial performance and whatnot. So I think I think for us, it's more about where the technology is going in terms of the production side. So being able to see the results on the actual characters is a big step for us. And the same for creatives. So, you know, if... Um, take the Lord of the Rings example, if Gollum was actually there within the environment and the actors could either see him or see him on a screen, I think that's kind of where it's really interesting in terms of the production techniques. When it comes to portable laptops, Samsung has most definitely got the right idea with the Galaxy Book S. This felt clamshell weighs under a kilo, has capacity for a SIM card for on-the-go 4G connectivity, yet offers super long-lasting battery life thanks to Qualcomm's Snapdragon 8CX platform being on board. But are there any catches? Pocalent Reviews editor Mike Lowe has been using the new laptop and is here to tell us what he thinks. Mike, is it any good? Yeah, so Samsung has actually not been in the UK for, for a bit of time in, in the laptops market. They, they sell in America, um, haven't done the UK, and now in some form they're back. So the Book S is... Um, Basically, it's it's a slightly different take on what you might think a laptop could be because inside it, you've got a Qualcomm chipset. That's kind of what you normally expect to find in a phone, like a you know, top-end Android phone. Um, and that does a couple of things. On the positive side, it lasts for absolutely ages, which is great. On the arguably negative side, it kind of has some limitations because this machine runs Windows 10 S, which uh, kind of has some limitations. It, it ultimately gives you access to Windows Store, but a lot of apps, say something like Photoshop, the, the full fat version, isn't compatible with 
ARM-based architecture, which is what this Cloud Conflict is, and therefore you're likely to run into problems if you want to use it as kind of a full, proper, hardcore laptop. And so I suppose that's the payoff, isn't it? You get lots of portability, you get great battery life, fantastic connectivity, because I presume it comes with a 4G uh, SIM, but an iPad-like experience. Exactly, yeah. So as a point of comparison, like if you think about um, the iPad Pro, that has the um, A12X chip in it, and that is also an ARM-based chip. But in that case, because it's running, you know, not a full version of Mac OS, it doesn't have any compatibility issues because Apple's pitched that very much, you know, we're running our store, you can get, you know, what you need from that. And that's kind of the dimension that that sells itself in. It doesn't try and be in a, in a bigger space. But at the same time with this Samsung, I don't know if I find it a problem because ultimately there are Chromebooks that are coming out that are kind of fancier and selling themselves at more and more money. And it kind of ultimately depends on what you really need to do because yes, it does come with a SIM card slot so you can have 4G on the go and it lasts for absolute ages even when you're using that. Um, and you've got access you know, to Office 365, you can do all your notes, you can do anything you could do with a Chromebook. It's all very zippy, moves along you know, super fast, the design's really nice. It's trim and lightweight, so you can carry it around like all day long. And realistically, if you wanted to use it as a productivity tool that doesn't you know, demand anything like CAD software or something really high-end, then it's actually really decent. But it's just that kind of conundrum of it doesn't tell you from the off what it is and what issues you may have. So you need to buy it under the, the right kind of premise. And so given the fact that quite a lot of us are homeschooling at the moment or working from home, don't necessarily use Photoshop or play games, does it fit that bill? Is it good enough to do all the work that you want to do around the home if you're not some sort of creative maven that's working on high-end projects? Well, exactly. So it totally fits that kind of bill. And in some regards, it might be a positive that you can't necessarily get hold of necessarily everything. I mean, Windows Store has a bunch of stuff on it, but... You know, like I say, with this ARM-based chip, it doesn't really work that happily with x86 and x64 architecture. So you could download some games and stuff, but they won't necessarily work. That's the thing. Um, they may work fine, but you may just get some issues with certain graphic compatibility problems and, and so on. But yeah, for the core of what it does, it actually does it really well. And that's kind of, I think, pitched as that. It's a really great machine because... And if that's what you want it for, then that's spot on. So is it out? Can you buy it? All those usual questions? Yeah, of course. Um, that That is the thing. It is it is out. And this is kind of Samsung's return. And I'm wondering if it kind of precludes a bigger return because I'm wondering if they, cause they sell you know notebooks in the States that are actually really decent. So this could be kind of a stepping stone towards that. Um, if you wanted to buy one, then the RRP in the UK is 999 but actually, at the minute, they've got 200 quid off. So 799 for something that's really comparable to a, a, a top-end Chromebook, something that will give you portability and all the connectivity you need on the go. It's not cheap, but it's not crazy expensive. And actually, I think you get quite a lot out of it, so long as it's the, the right match for what you're looking for. So compared to the Microsoft Surface range, where does this model fit in? And should you get the Samsung Galaxy Book S over a Surface just full stop so it comparably kind of when you wind the clock back a bit and go to the first um surface laptop launch that was in 2017 
that also came with Windows 10s, but it had uh, Intel architecture, so there was no compatibility issues. And at the time, you could upgrade that for, for free to Windows 10 Pro, um, an offer that no longer stands. So they kind of came out pitched with the same idea. You know, Windows 10s is a great system if you want to have access to very specific things in a certain way. Um, I suppose, as ever, it's that kind of trade-off. The Samsung, longer battery life because you've got the Qualcomm architecture. The Surface, more potential range in terms of offering more powerful apps, but not everyone's going to need that. And therefore, the battery life overall, whatever you're doing, isn't going to be as good. Um, obviously, the Surface range is much wider and you get the the kind of the full version of the, the Surface in its sixth generation, which you can clip a keyboard onto. It's more like a tablet. It kind of offers all these different ideas and possibilities. So they're, they're not really directly comparable. I, I think um, I would still lean towards the Surface to avoid any future issues, but it's more expensive. Um, I think really here, if you were thinking of between getting a, a top-end Chromebook and this Samsung instead, those are kind of the two things that you might really want to consider against one another. And I would be quite tempted with the battery life alone to give the Samsung a shot. Well, that's it for this week's show. Thanks for listening. Until next time, pip pip. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.